Welcome to another impactful, life-changing message from Apostle Deborah Bell, filled with the revelation of the Word and a demonstration of God's power. service this morning. I think some are carrying their battle wounds of yesterday, but you come and you drag them back into on next Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's so wonderful to see you all here and to just see what an amazing work God is doing in each of your lives. Isn't that powerful? God's doing an amazing thing in our lives. And we thank you, Lord. Just bow your heads with me. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that this word is liberating, that it sets us free, that it is a word of justice and peace and mercy and grace, and that it has the power to transform our lives because your spirit, the very spirit of Christ resides in each one of us. So we thank you, Lord, in your precious name. Touch us now where we are. Let this word not go void, but let it move us and touch our spirits and our hearts that as we leave here, your word will sit with us, grow us, shift us, and teach us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, it's, it's so amazing because earlier I said that, um, welcome to our bride service, everyone. You can clap for that. Oh, no, that's so feeble. Come on, clap like you mean it. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said earlier that God has brought you to this church to take you on a journey. You know, there isn't anyone that we've ever journeyed with, along with obviously the Lord journeying with you, that comes to this church and that actually makes this church their home, that haven't experienced the liberating touch of Christ. So many LGBT people come into this church thinking, that they are already okay. In other words, that they are out as can be, that they are literally right out there, out of their closets and out of everything. But I want to tell you that it's only when we come into the house of the Lord and we realize that there's so many aspects and facets of our lives where we haven't opened the door of being completely out, whether it be to a family member, whether it be to a certain group of friends. For some of us, there are certain areas of our lives where we are not out, where we still carry shame about who we are. And I can tell you that sometimes it is so, uh, it's not always a conscious thing. It's just the way that we've learned how to cope with life. And so very often it's not something we realize or recognize until we start actually journeying with someone. Tell me, tell me you understand where I am. And so many of us, we can be out when we're with our gay friends. And we can be out when we're with people that we know accept us and have been with us a long time. But if there's any area that you feel uncomfortable in or that you carry shame in, you've got to know that you are still a work in progress. Amen? 
And that God is going to take you to a place where this word is not something you have to fear, but where you recognize and realize, and every one of us is on a different journey, a different place in our journey. Let me rather say that we're all on a a journey because we believe Christ is our all. Say, Christ is my all. And you know that even today, and I will tell you this in no uncertain terms because I think I've got a little bit of credibility in this area, I hope. And that is that in all the years I've ministered to our community, which is the area that we focus on, amen, it's not the only area of this church because we believe we're a church for all people, but it's an area that hasn't been paid attention to by any of the mainstream churches. And so that's why we call ourselves a pioneering work because we're a church that welcomes all people. But our LGBT community has been neglected. And what happens is there are so many LGBT people that still believe today, now hear me carefully, they don't realize that they have internalized homophobia. Internalized homophobia is where we ourselves as gay and lesbian people still carry shame about who we are. And we don't overtly see it as that, but I'll tell you what it comes in some forms of. When you see gay people that have been counseled in this church, either by myself, that aren't in this church, but that have been counseled by people in this church, by leaders in this church, by pastors in this church, that have walked roads with people that are in the church, outside of this church, and you still find that those people don't want to come to this church. And I'm talking about wanting to be in a spirit-filled environment, and they would still rather go to a straight church. You've got to understand, it's because there's still internalized homophobia. This is the reality. They may not agree with it. They may not see it as that. They may not understand it as that. Because there is a deep desire with homophobia to be accepted. We want to and desire to be accepted. So some people will even go and say, look, I'm accepted in a straight church. Oh, cool. Wait until you hold hands with your partner. So we say to them, are you accepted or tolerated? Are you allowed to walk into that church without feeling like you have gay written all over you? And can you be in a functional relationship with your spouse and actually be okay? Can you sit there holding hands? Or do you say, well, I'm not affectionate in church? What are the excuses? Or are you able to go to your pastor and have proper counseling, couples counseling, like anybody does? Are you allowed to approach the the pastor that you've been sitting under for three years because you're in a straight church and then say to them, oh, listen, by the way, we're getting married. Will you marry us? Knowing that if it was your pastor in any normal circumstances, you would be okay to be married. No, you will not have that because you tolerated, not accepted. And it doesn't matter which straight church we've tried to journey with and build bridges with or pastors They all say, some that are standing on what they call neutral ground, which is tolerance, will say to you, oh, no, 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 we have gay people in our church, and we say, do you treat them equally? Are you prepared to engage in dialogue with me or any of my leaders so that we can help you on your journey as leaders to understand what you are dealing with when it comes to gay and lesbian people? Because we're happy if they want to be in your church. There are a couple of them. There's a church, I won't say what its name is, over the air, but there's a church and it's got a big G next to it. It's not standing for God, but it's in Amschlonga and they've got another branch over there in Durban North. And they, they, they will tell you, listen, we're open. So I challenged them and I said, well, let's start some dialogue. We're open. Let's set up an appointment. Get your pastor to contact me. Nothing. Because they don't know what to do with us. They don't know what to do with us. They don't know how to handle us. 
But yet our people still are drawn to straight churches because there is such a deep need for us to be accepted. That is what you call a spirit of rejection. And I'm so glad the Pride service came before my series starts on rejection next week. And yes, you've been waiting for it, so you better keep coming back every Sunday. <laughs> Hallelujah. But today's our pride service, so yeah. And that is the biggest, that is one of the biggest things is this, everybody has a, a spirit of rejection. Everybody has a root of rejection in our lives. But with our community, the LGBT community, it's even greater. And it's even greater for one major reason, because there's another overlaying dimension of rejection that comes with being a gay or lesbian person. Because you will be rejected by certain friends when you come out. You will be rejected and possibly could even lose your job when you come out. You will experience some form of rejection by certain groups of people in your life. And especially by the greater church. But there comes a time when you're no longer embarrassed to like someone if you are straight. To like someone who is a gay friend on Facebook in case somebody might just see. If that's happening, you struggle with homophobia. Now, I want to share something with you. Let me, having said all this, let me say, let me, having said all that, let me say this. I'm not saying for one moment that if you're in a place where you're struggling with homophobia, that, oh, well, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that's okay if you can acknowledge that that's where you're at. It's when we don't acknowledge where we're at that we are blind and in denial about what's really going on. And can I tell you what the problem with homophobia is? Is that it creates a veil over people's faces. A veil which makes us sit in denial about what's really going on with us. That is the biggest struggle I have found in over two decades, nearly three, of ministering to our community. People from all walks of life in our community is there is a definite veil over our eyes. People that I marry and counsel for premarital counseling, it's been for many, many years, where they'll tell you straight up, no, I'm, uh, no, I'm out. I'm as out as can be. And then you start asking all the right questions and you can see that's not the case. And so we don't expect everyone to jump out in every aspect of their lives, but what we do in this church and in our network, is that we are building a people who are able to keep walking forward in that journey and to acknowledge the first place of dealing with homophobia is acknowledgement. Once you can acknowledge, the second step is acceptance. We call it AA. And it's not the AA you're thinking about. So say to your neighbor, acknowledge, acknowledge. And, accept. and accept. Hallelujah. That's good. That's good. So we're just having a conversation today, amen? I should have got a little chair or a little stool here and just chatted to you. So I, I, I'm thinking of doing something right now that's a little different. Can you just get a mic handy, Pastor Bren? And I want you now to ask me any questions you have about your faith and sexual orientation and any questions that I can maybe answer right now from the pulpit. I'm going to carry on, but I want to hear you. Just put your hand up if you've got any question. Come on. Some of you know there are questions that have been on your heart for a long time. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm looking. Thanks, Pastor Brand, for being proactive in there.
Oh, there's some questions on Facebook. Oh, I must ask, anybody online that is watching this broadcast right now, if you have any questions, can you quickly jot them down? And we've got someone that is going to pass them on to me. And then I'm going to um, hopefully try and answer you. This morning is very, very important because this is a very, very serious topic that I can talk for hours and hours and hours on, and I do. We have a 10-hour teaching on this. It's called Hack BC, Homosexuality in the Bible, and we will be changing that title soon to um, something else, which we've got. But I want, to, I, I want to tell you that it's not cut and dry. There are many people that go, you know what, I'm kind of halfway there. I believe God loves me but don't even realize the reason they may not step into those doors is because they don't really, 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 really know if it's true. Can God really, really, really love me as I am? Why? Because all of your life you have been told it's wrong. You live in an environment which is created right from our childhoods to hear from the pulpits how wrong it is, to hear people ridiculing those that are pansies on the playground or queer or those little ducks on bikes that are five years old walking around with guns like I did. I used to play with boys when I was five and six and seven. I loved playing with the boys. I was much more comfortable playing with boys than girls. I don't understand why. I used to bully some of the boys. I had arm wrestling competitions at school and I was in the top three. With the boys. I'm telling you, so don't sickle with me. <laughs> don't have any of that strength anymore, but yes. So you don't realize, you know, we don't realize. No, not everybody's like that. I mean, not everybody. But the point is, the matter, the point of the matter is this, that all of us have to come to a first place of acknowledgement and then acceptance. You can't fully accept yourself and love yourself the way God loves you and sees you and even see yourself that way until you're able to start the journey. It's two things. I always tell people it's a process and a journey. And there are so many of our people that are in a world of pretense, believing that they've come out, believing that they're so okay, but they don't realize how dysfunctional their lives are because they aren't really. They don't really accept themselves. They don't really believe what they're doing is okay. And that's also when you find so many in our community going and doing all these weird, sordid things. And that's what happens. Weird and sordid things come out of a place of shame. It comes, yes, that's it. The closet is a toxic place. It causes us to do things that we think, okay, well, if, 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 this, is, if this lifestyle is wrong, I might as well just go the whole Monty. Well, let me tell you what, your sexual orientation is not a lifestyle. Lifestyle is a choice. Sexual orientation is who we are created to be. And sometimes we don't always come into a place of knowing who we are created to be because we've had to live our lives a certain way to please everybody else. And only when we come into our late 30s, sometimes late 40s, sometimes even later. Can I tell you, you're going to be shocked at this now. Now listen carefully. Do you know that in this nearly three decades, do you know that the majority of people that I have counseled are mostly outside of the church? Because that's the service I offer to our community, even though the first priority are those that are members in our church. And I'll tell you what, out of those people, the majority of people that I've counseled are people that are heterosexually married, one party is gay. 
and they want to know now how they can move out of this because they've realized that they're gay because they've now fallen in love with someone of the same gender but they're in a heterosexual marriage with kids are you with me it makes sense right and so there's this whole family breakup that has to happen and a husband or wife that are saying how could you suddenly be gay and it's not sudden it's who we are we just have never come to realize it until later on or else someone comes into our lives and our hearts start fluttering and we think, I've never felt this way before. And so that is the, that is the thing. That is what, and the other part of it is that when you come into this church, because we're apostolic prophetic, we believe in spiritual coaching. You are not just left to your own devices. You're left to your own choices and decisions. But you are not left to your own devices. You have people here that care and love you and want to see you flourish in all your ways. Want to empower you to make decisions that are whole for your life. But yes, it means you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and start taking risks. When you become someone that acknowledges and accepts you start moving forward, there are going to be risks in your coming out. Say to somebody, there are risks in coming out. There are risks because it's a process of moving over the bridge of shame. When you are listening to a straight friend of yours continually criticize your life, continually criticize your sexual orientation, you are not out of the closet because you are allowing them to pull you down and make you something less. Now, if it's a family member, you have to deal with it. You have to deal with it by first dealing with your own life and dealing with your own fears, and dealing with your own homophobia. And there are two things I tell people about that in this church. It's always a process, and it's always a journey. It's not an instant, oh, well, I'm here. Oh, oh, you told me that it's okay, that God loves me. Oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. You have to believe it with everything. The penny, the Spirit of God has to touch your life. Where something just in a moment happens, and you go, I've got it. I know Lord, the Lord loves me. And once you know that, no one can take away who you are because you are created in the image of the Most High God. And when people speak against you, they are speaking against God's creation. They are flying in the face of God. And that's when everything changes for you. When you go, no longer will I tolerate people pulling me down because of my sexual orientation. No longer will I think less of myself because God loves me as God created me to be. Isn't that powerful? It's, it's the, it, you know, the thing is, it sounds so easy when we hear it here. But when people start moving in that journey and they come into the church and they begin to integrate their relationships and their lives to Christ and into the, a, a healthy body of believers like this, they start to journey in a healthy way. And before you know it, there is absolutely no homophobia in their lives. And things start changing. And people that used to bully them in their families or pull them down in their families or, uh, or say terrible things to them, no longer does that start to happen because it's not about what they say to you. It's how you deal with it. It's how you respond to it that changes who they are. When you respond in a way where you are, you, are, you are all ashamed and you go and you just keep quiet and you're just not saying anything and you're just letting them pull you down and pull you out and string you out and all of those things and friends that you care about are saying things to you and you just, it's going like water off a duck's back. It never goes like water off a duck's back. It hurts. It's real. 
and it's nonsense. It shouldn't happen. But when you come into your own and you're on that journey and you realize and recognize who you are, do you know what happens? Whether it be family or close friends that have not accepted you, when they start that nonsense, you tell them, listen, I can't be in your company anymore. I love you. But I can't be in your company while you still pull me down. Because I am who God created me to be. And if you can't accept that, you have the problem, not me. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you and I can no longer live our lives tolerating bad comments. And every time a pastor stands on that pulpit and says something against you, don't think it's like water off a duck's back. That, oh, I can deal with it. When you go into a church and say, no, 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 I can be in this straight church. Look, they accept me. Oh, no, he only says a few things about us a couple of times. Oh, really? What if he said that about a straight member of his congregation and condemned them like that? Would it be acceptable? No. So there comes a time and a point where you say no more. Where you say, I'm a human being loved by the Lord. I don't need to deal with this anymore. I don't need to accept this anymore. Amen? Are you with me? And so you start to change the way you respond to things as you grow in a healthy church. Because you, because people always go, what does the Bible say? And I always say, well, let's go on a journey together. And they're, 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 you know, we've, we've got 10 hours of teaching on the Clobber text for you. Because the Bible is liberating. It's there to set us free. But people that don't take themselves seriously as LGBT people that really haven't crossed the bridge and moved forward don't want to come through those doors. That's why I tell you, homophobia is the biggest veil that we have. This church would be full. Look at it. It's beautiful. Come on, tell your neighbor, this is a beautiful place. Why isn't it full? I mean, it's getting full. It's getting really full, and that's great. We're seeing every week people added to our numbers. But why isn't it like chock-a-block full? Hey? Why isn't it like, like it is in Sozo? It should be. Not because we're the best, not because of any of that, but because we're spirit-filled, apostolic, prophetic church on the move and in the groove. And we are, we are a people that don't leave you where you're at. We have leaders that care for your souls and that want to see you flourish. And that means that transformational glory is a part of this church's process. In other words, we know God meets you where you're at, but God doesn't leave you there. And you will be challenged, but never forced. If you are not challenged, you'll never challenge yourself to be all that you can be. That's the problem. We're full of... We, we, we can point everybody else out, but when it comes to our own lives, it's not so easy. Isn't that true? So we need each other. We need people to come alongside us that can coach us, that can love on us, that can be a mirror for us, a sounding board, that can bring information to us so that our decisions are informed and we make the decisions, but now they're informed and we can do things that, are healthy for our lives and come into a healthy environment and socialize in a healthy environment. Perfect? No. Will you bang your heads with some people? Possibly. They're still human beings. We all are. But we learn to love each other with our bumps and our humps and our lumps and our fat and our thin and everything else. Hallelujah. God loves me. You better too. <laughs> And the reason why I'm going in a different direction from what I planned this morning is because I believe these are things we need to hear. 
Why? Because this is the worst, this is the most difficult thing to deal with. We have done everything in church dynamics and strategy you can imagine over the years. I am one that likes to keep learning. Say, I've got to keep learning. Now lift your hand up and say, that's me. I want to keep learning till the day I die. Hey, we've never reached it. We always want to be learning. I always want to be learning and growing. If I'm not learning and growing as your leader, the oil that runs down is going to be fraught. You're going to have to have an oil change. Amen. So you've got to make sure, I've got to make sure that I'm always fresh. Now, sometimes I don't always get it right. But I want to be fresh so that whatever is running down is being poured into the body of Christ in a healthy way. And so it's so important that we are continually learning and growing together. Not just, it's not just us saying, hey, you know, but we can help. Because, you know, it was nearly, if I go back, it's, what is it? It's almost, tw- it's 27 years ago that I recommitted my life to the Lord and that I'd left God out of my life for 10 years before that. Because I really did not believe that I could reconcile my faith with my sexual orientation. My dad was a pastor, and all I can remember about that is that he had these little things called the gay blade, those little tracts that you used to give out before we had internet and everything. And I mean, I'll never, I know exactly what it looks like, and I know exactly what was in it. It was those little chicks publications things which were terrible. They were, I mean, they were always about hell, and they had these terrible expressions. Do you remember those? I mean, come on, those were bad news. I don't know if the Baptists did them, but they always knocked the Catholics. But the point is that it was the most, it it was terrible because that's what I believed. That's what I was taught. And so for years, I carried shame. And you know what that made me do? It made me forsake God. I'd given my life to Jesus when I was 10. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues at 12. And when I came into my teens and I realized, hey, listen, this is confusing. I think I like women. I think I like girls, even though I had boyfriends. And I went through that whole confusion patch in my life. I came to a point where it was really, really difficult to know that I was accepted. So what I did was as I grew up and as um, as I started working at my workplace, I was in the closet. I had my skirts and my Lady Di shoes. Everybody knows the story. Yes, in those days it was Lady Di. I don't know what it is now. It was a long time ago. You can't imagine it. Yes, I had pencil suits. Pencil skirts and good legs in those days. <laughs> and, uh, and it was really, really weird because I would go to work. I had my little long hair. I had my whole thing going. And I was in a man's world to start with. No surprise. And, um, and people would say, what did you do on your weekend? And I would go, oh, it's not much, you know. I would take men that were friends of mine that were gay to my work functions, and we would have a jaw. We would dance together and pretend to pretend that I was okay. And that went on for years. But when I got home, I kicked off the lady does. And pulled off the skirt as quickly as I could. Got into my real clothes. Hallelujah, somebody. And then I was a different person. Then I was in another world. We can't live like that. So it took a number of years for me, 
And I was out of the Lord at that point because I didn't believe I could reconcile my faith. I thought I'd be a hypocrite. So off I went in my career, and really that's all I focused on. And I had a couple of real burnout sessions in, in that arena, pushing myself because, like, you know, you're in the closet. And then one day I, I was in a, a company, and I just had enough. I realized I just listened to when it happened. When I came back to the Lord 10 years later, when I came back to the Lord, isn't it interesting? I started to realize that things had to change in my life. Because when I came back to the Lord, I came back to the Lord in a, in a time when we didn't have internet. So you couldn't just Google gay, is gay okay? You know, all those things. All the things we Google, is gay okay? Faith and sexual orientation, Christianity in the Bible, gaychurch.org. We had nothing. And in this country, there was nothing. And so... Uh, I began to pray, and I said, Lord, I know I'd come out of a seven-year relationship, a terrible relationship, my first love, and it was the most terrible experience, and I thought, okay, that was because I was gay. Do you see what we do to ourselves? So I know what it is. You know, when people walk in the store and they feel alone, we have to, they have to understand most of us have gone through some of this stuff. 80% of the people in this church have gone through some of the stuff either from their, a member of their own family or they themselves or a friend. And so when I came back to the Lord, I had to come to a point. I was at a low point in my life. And I said, you know what, God? I said, you can do, you do. I said, okay, I just give up. You do whatever you want with me. If you want to make me straight and put me in a frock, do it. Do it. I'm yours. Take me. Do whatever you want with me. Here I am. Come on, do it. Make me straight. Do whatever you want to do. Because I thought that was the option if I came back to the Lord. So I was like waiting for the Lord to make me straight. I was focused on being in the Lord. I wasn't with someone. And then I met somebody. No, it wasn't prophet yet. (laughs) See, it's a long time ago. See, I told you. I'm 52, so go figure. And here's the problem. It was at a time when the Lord had been speaking to me. And then the Lord began to speak to me and said, there were names of people when you were partying up a storm that you took down. And I knew, I knew, I used to go to parties. And I knew that God was speaking to me to get the names of the people of these people at the parties because they were the ones that were talking to me about Christianity and homosexuality. I wasn't a pastor I hadn't started a group or anything. They just always gunned for me and said, what do you think of being gay and being a Christian and all? And then I would get so mad because I didn't have the answers and I would literally run, but I would first take their numbers. Isn't it interesting? And a point came in a low point in my life where the Lord said, you need to start a group. Get hold of those people whose numbers you've taken, you know who they are and invite them to come. Just before, now I'm telling you my whole testimony. Should I stop? Oh, everybody that's been here a long time, bear with me. Just before that, there was a woman who I barely knew. She was an acquaintance, a straight woman, and she used to go to the Methodist church. Now, Methodists are not charismatic. Are you hearing me? And we were having dinner one night. And it was a weird thing because we weren't even supposed to, you know, it was just a dinner. And 
she sat there with me after dinner and she said, listen, I need to tell you something, Deborah. She said, I'm not here because I wanted to be tonight. I had the most terrible migraine. She used to suffer with migraines. And she said to me, but God sent me here to tell you that you must not put God in a box like your father has done. And God wants to break open that box because you've been called to greater things and God has called you to start a ministry and you've been disobedient. Do you know how many years... Do you know that I started to cry in front of this woman like a baby? Why? Because only God could do that. She knew nothing about my life. That's why God used her. She didn't know, and she wasn't even like a tongues talking, you know, like vibe on. She was a Methodist. God will use a donkey if you will listen. And I was like, okay. I knew that God was serious enough about me to use somebody to talk to me. And so we kind of finished the night. And what did I do? I carried on parting for almost another year. Hello, somebody, anybody relate? Oh, I would party up a storm. I think my neighbors must have been so sick of us. We'd come home two, three in the morning putting on Anita, what's her name? Baker. Anita Baker. I loved Anita Baker. Anyway, don't worry about it. And we would like, you know, like put on the vibes and, you know. God was still speaking to me. And I was going, yes, I'm going to do it, Lord, later. And that's when I started, I realized that I had to get serious. That I couldn't run from God anymore. And I still had not come to terms with God loving me as I was yet, remember. I just did the surrender thing and that was that. So then I did start phoning these people at a point and in that year and we set up a meeting and I said, can we just come together and talk? And so that was the first meeting of what we called the Durban Prayer Group and that was in 1990, I think it was. And uh, I say this to you because at that first meeting there were 12 people without effort. And uh, two of them became very, very uh, much a part, a core. Actually, four of them, a core of that group. And that group went on for nearly seven years before we started the church. Some of that group ended up in Cape Town. Some of that group, you know, you just lose touch with people over over the years. But the thing is, what was so powerful is that we began to pray. Say, Lord, we don't have the answers, but look what your Bible says. It says a man mustn't sleep with a man. And then in Romans, Lord, it says even the woman exchanged the net. Lord, what do we do with this? And so we began to pray that the Lord would give us the answer and all of us were open to do whatever God wanted us to do. Be straight, be gay, whatever. And then the Lord sent someone to us. And they began to minister to us. And they were therefore given to us at a specific time. Because we prayed for the answers. And so we managed to get all this material that we didn't have before. And before long, God began, that was my journey, my start of my process. I started listening to these tapes and not a sin, not a sickness. And, you know, Don Eastman and all of those things. I started listening to all the stuff and I thought, oh, yeah. 
Because what do you think? You see what homophobia does. It makes you think that there's a devil on your shoulder telling you that it's okay to be gay. Come on, friends. Why do you think it is so difficult to get people that are LGBT through those doors? Because people still have an indoctrination that it's wrong to be gay and be a Christian. That even people in our own community for many years will look at me and condemn me, people that I've known in in friendship circles for years that are gay, because they still think we are being hypocritical, that you can't be gay and be a Christian, let alone a gay pastor, and they're gay. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what homophobia does. Listen to me. It is a spirit. It is a spirit. And it's time for us to change things. How do our community come to church? We do everything we can on social media. We're probably one of the most active churches, affirming churches on social media than anywhere in the world. We're probably one of the most active. We do everything we can and with a spirit of excellence. And we still struggle to draw people that way. Do you know who God is depending on? You and me. We are the ones that are called to be the lights to this generation. We are the ones that are called to get over ourselves so we can bring others into the fold. So we can tell them our story. So that we can tell them that God loves them. That we can tell them that God accepts them. That we can tell them this word is a book of love and it's about Jesus, not homosexuality. So if you're struggling with anything this morning, regarding your sexual orientation or who you are, I better read a scripture just for safety. Then I want to I invite you to allow God to bring healing in your life this morning. Listen, it may not be that you don't accept your gay, but you may have wounds to heal of people that have hurt you, family members. Listen, friends online, the same with you. If you've got family members that have said hurtful things to you because you're on a journey and you're in the process, then I want you to receive what we're doing here as we pray for you this morning. And that includes those of you that are in the house. Were you saying, Lord, I want to move on this journey and I want to, I want to go where you're taking me. Amen? Come on, friends. God's got such powerful things. There's so many things I wanted to teach you about eunuch and what it means and, and all of those things, but you'll have to come onto the, onto the course. Sure. I called this uh, message this morning, my tribe, and here's what I want to end with. The reason I called it my tribe is because you want to be in a position where you turn around and you are proud of the tribe that you belong to. Whether you're gay or straight, this is your tribe. This is your tribe. And if this is your tribe, you have to make some decisions today to let go of things that are holding you back from being fully immersed in your calling and in what God has for you. Things that can hold you back, one of them can be homophobia. You know, I'll I'll dabble with church and, you know, but I just, you know, no, there's no time for that anymore. We have to get into where we were created to worship God. 
We weren't created for anything. We were created to worship God. We were created to be integrated and rooted in the house of the Lord. We were created to live our lives in Christ and then understand what it is to really live in wholesomeness and healthy lifestyles. As gay Christians, as LGBTQS Christians, just in case I offend anybody. You've got to come to a place where you go, this is my tribe and I'm proud of my tribe. You don't say anything about my tribe. Until you've been where I've been and done what I've done, don't say anything about my tribe. And you've got to get possessive about your faith and possessive about your life and begin to live in the fullness of who God has created you to be as an LGBTQS person. Amen? My tribe is when I come to the realization of who I am created to be in Christ and where I fit in. Stand with me this morning. Where do you fit in this morning? Where do you fit in? Because I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 56. And I'll tell you what it is. It's a prophetic passage about our people. I shared a little bit. I only had three minutes to speak from the pride platform yesterday and then they reduced it to two so I met them halfway and still made it three but it was very short and you can stand while we read the word two for this is what the Lord says and this is Isaiah 56 and I'm reading from verse four Isaiah 56 from verse four now you read it with me one two three for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath. Say, I'm a eunuch. I'm a eunuch. I'll get there. Who choose what, read it with me. Who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name. And I will give them an everlasting name. And they will not be cut off. And you can go and read for, for, for study purposes, Revelations chapter, Revelation chapter 2. And also you can read Isaiah 62 where you see the name Hephzibah, which is that you are God's delight. Why this is so pertinent is it speaks about the eunuchs. It says right in verse 4, it says, To the eunuchs. Who keep my Sabbath. Eunuchs are not just castrated males. In Matthew 19, you learn about three types of eunuchs. Castrated, you learn about those that choose to be this way, which is the few that are called to be celibate. Not being celibate because you're gay and you're told by a church that you can, you can be gay, but just don't have a relationship. Whether I have a relationship or not, I'm gay. It doesn't change what and who I am. Oh, but the act act so when you love someone and you the third type are those that are born that way you see eunuchs are not just castrated males that's in the bible it's in matthew and you can go read it in matthew chapter 19 and we are those that are born that way we are the eunuchs that this scripture and prophetic word is uttering and talking about for this is what the lord says to the eunuchs who keep my service to the eunuchs who are in alignment with me to the LGBT community, I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better.
then sons and daughters. Oh my Lord. Isn't that powerful? And we're so stuck on the six clobber texts that we can't see and hear what God is saying to us through everything else in the scripture. The scriptures are liberating, friends. When you understand who you are and you know how Christ accepts and loves you, you realize that this is a book about God's love and Christ is the center and that's it. Amen? And Christ wants every one of his children to have fullness of life. And I tell you what, if you're here this morning and your partner's not here, you need to get them to listen to this message. If you've got friends that you know need to be in here, you get them to listen to this message. Or buy them a hit BC DVD or get them on the next course. But you cannot, you cannot stand by and let your life go by like a passing ship because you refuse to deal with homophobia or you refuse to deal with the things that are holding you back from being living in the fullness of who God's called you to be as an LGBTQIS person. Amen? Come on, say amen, someone. Do you know that half our people out there know what it is to serve the Lord? Do you know that there are so many people that have had deep encounters with God, life-changing experiences in their churches, been leaders in their churches. They've been all sorts. They've been in leadership and worship teams, worship leaders, and they're sitting out there doing nothing with their gift because they don't believe that they're accepted and loved by God anymore. And their churches have hurt them. And so they will never step back in a church, even if they know that the church accepts them. You and I are the only ones that can change that by going out there and telling people and building relationships and drawing people back into the house of God. Not just any house of God, a house of God that loves and accepts and brings transformational experiences into the life of a believer so that they can be all that they're called to be. So some of them are sitting in the back of pews. They randomly church hop so that people don't get too close in case they find out who they are. But they're desperate because our spirits yearn for Jesus. Our spirits hunger after the spiritual because we're born with a gap in our lives that can only be fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And so our people are homeless and nameless. And they're walking around homeless spiritually, nameless spiritually, because they're walking around. They don't have a proper spiritual home. They're not really rooted and established because they never believe that they're accepted and loved just as they are. We have to change that. It is part of our mandate. And if you and I are struggling with things in our lives that stop us from doing that, that stop us from moving forward in our lives so that we can help others move forward today, we say, you know what, Lord, I, I just, I need to change that. So now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I speak to those online and I say, listen, even if you're a leader this morning, I have, done, I have um, ministered to many leaders in Fivefold that believe it or not, even in our affirming churches still struggle with this issue. They are not over it yet. And it's because they've never been helped in the right way. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you. You're welcome to make contact with me. Please make contact with me. What is my address? Deborah at dgan.org or apostle at dgan.org, either one. I want to tell you this morning 
that God has created you as a leader to take your stand and to get into position because God is moving very powerfully in these last days. I tell you something, it's not just about our conference at Sosa where we have whatever, 150 people here. It's about what God is doing in our everyday lives and how God wants to change the world through you and I. And so every single person, God wants to put you in your positions and get you into formation as you heard the prophet speak on just a few weeks ago. God is bringing the church into alignment and into formation so that we can take our places both physically and spiritually and begin to change the world around us. Amen. Isn't that good? So Lord, right now, I stretch my hand out. Just stretch your hands out as well. Just stretch your hands out and say, Lord, every single person watching this, touch their lives right now. Let them know that they are loved and accepted. And right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that where they are standing or sitting, that you will touch them right now in the name of Jesus with your Holy Spirit that you will bring a conviction of your love, of your power, of your resurrection life, that they are loved, accepted, and can make a difference in this world. Right now, touch them in Jesus' name. And I pray right now over every person standing here, let the Lord touch you right where you're standing. Every person here has received a different message this morning. Many people end up going in the wrong direction in our community because they feel guilt and they don't feel loved and they don't feel true acceptance, no matter what mask they put on. But today God says, take off your mask. I'm about to reveal the goodness and mercy of who I am in your life. God is about to lift you to the highest level. Now, those of you this morning and you're saying, you know what, I just know that was for me. Whatever part of the message was for you. You're saying, Lord, no longer am I going to let people pull me down. No longer am I going to let them say things about me that are not acceptable and right. I want you to come and stand up here right now. I'm going to lay hands on you and release a blessing over you. And I'm going to nullify, nullify every curse word that has been put upon you because of your sexual orientation. Now listen, friends, if you're too ashamed to come and stand up here, we can't even begin. So I'm saying get up here and get up here now. Just come. Just come. Don't be forced or asked. Just come. Come and be here as we sing. Hallelujah. Let's let it go. Come up. Let me lay hands on you. I'm going to pray over you and release every burden off your life, every curse off your life. In Jesus' name, just come up here. It could be the whole church, actually. Just come up here right now. Come and stand in front of me here. Ushers, get everybody in the center over here. Oh, there you are. Jesus. Lift your hands up. Everyone standing here, lift your hands up. Hallelujah. I feel like God wants to do something very, very special this morning in each one of your lives. And every single one of you standing up here has a different need and reason as to why you're up here. But I know that God knows your hearts and God knows everything that you need to be released from, every healing over your life. And I feel like there's going to be a shift 
as I lay hands on you and as I pray for you, God's going to do something in you. If you will believe it this morning, lift your hands and say, Lord, I believe it. Say, I know the moment is now for me. Listen, the Spirit of God is here. I can feel the presence of God. And prophet, I'm going to ask you to just come with me and stand in agreement with me as I lay hands this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you. Just lift that up. All of you, I want you to be ready to receive because God's me. You've been listening to Apostle Deborah Bell from Deo Gloria Family Church in Durban, South Africa. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please visit our website at www.dgfc.org.za and we look forward to having you join us next time.